Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. So we're in this series entitled The Daniel Dare, where we're daring you to live like Daniel. And today, I'm going to talk about everyone's favorite subject of, you guessed it, fasting. Uh, We're going to talk about fasting today. And uh, this is big on my heart. Uh, I know some of you, like fasting is your thing. Others of you, you've never fasted, at least on purpose. Uh, And uh, that kind of thing. And that's okay, no matter what uh, scale of the spectrum you fall on, um, I believe uh, the Holy Spirit's going to minister to you in a fresh and a new way. And then we're going to end with worship across all of our campuses. Now, the issue of fasting is the issue of lordship. And this is where I want to start today. I want to start with this question. Who slash what is your Lord? Uh, (laughs) Who slash what is your Lord? Now, I think for many of us who are Christians, if you're not a Christian, it's okay. If you're watching this, you're not a Christian, it's okay. Uh, You don't have to believe like us to belong with us or to watch this program. But I do believe by the end of this, the Holy Spirit will work on your heart to show you your need for Christ. Uh, And But for those of us who are Christians, though, we know that Jesus is not just our Savior, but he is also our what? Yes, Miss Valma said it on the front row here at Lakeland. I like Miss Miss Valma is one of my biggest cheerleaders ever in the history of the world. I love Robert Valma, uh, and so she said it. She knocked it out of the park. Uh, Jesus is not just our Savior; Jesus is our Lord, or at least He's supposed to be. But the the reality is is that many things promise to save us. And many things contend for our lordship. And we are to have no other lords before our Lord. uh, But so many of us so oftentimes find ourselves having one. Because here's what lord means. Lord just means this. I'll put it up on the screen for me. Uh, It means owner, ruler, governor. Uh, When you have a lord, it controls you. Uh, It dictates your uh, actions. Uh, It calls for you and you come. It asks for you and you respond. It desires your attention and you give it. Uh, Where there is a Lord, there is a governor, there is a ruler, there is a controller. And so I want to ask this again, what is controlling you? Um, Are you controlling it or is it controlling you? Does coffee control you? Does um, Netflix control you? Does your phone control you? We're living in a world today where about 3,000 times a day, the average person will swipe their phone uh, to check in on it, uh, to give it their attention, uh, to monitor it. And so oftentimes what we find on the phone or what we find on uh, the TV or Netflix or whatever it may be controls our emotions, uh, controls our response, controls the course of our day, and contends for lordship. And this is no bueno. Like this is, is no good. And the, the reason why is because if Jesus cannot be our Lord, he will never be able to help us get over into things he has saved us from and is trying to save us too. 
And I know that in, in our world, we long to see Jesus be Savior, where he's saving us from addiction, and he's saving us from hell, and he's saving us from like all of these things that come against our soul. But the reason why he is Lord is to lead us over into the things that he is saving us from. And the reason why there is so much bondage still in the lives of Christians is Jesus is not Lord. There's a whole bunch of other things that are, um, that control us, that govern us, that fight for our attention. And when they do, we give it. And a lot of times we're giving it with habit force. And we really don't understand how strong these things uh, have on our life. That it has begun to be a place where it's not just in our life, it is controlling our life. Which is why fasting is so important. Because nothing reveals lordship like fasting. Uh, If you want to see just how strong something is in your life, just tell sugar, I'm not going to eat you for 21 days. Uh, Just tell ESPN, I'm not going to watch sports for the next week. Uh, Just tell Netflix, I am deleting you. Uh, Just tell Facebook, no more, no mas, this is over. I'm not going to watch you or get on you for the next 21 days. Just tell something. Uh, that it will no longer have you. And watch how strongly it contends for you because it has been so used to having the control. Now, all of us, when we look at the children of Israel story, like in the, the book of Exodus, it's like, you, you should know better. Like, you should know better than to make yourself another God that you would bow your knee to. Like, you should know better than to, like, get all the gold that God gave you and make, like, a golden calf. Like, you should know better than to have that be the thing that your attention goes to. And we know the, the principles of idolatry, that an idol comes up that now has greater sway in my life than the Lord. And it's like, what? What were they thinking? Uh, But in our life, it's not a golden calf. It's a lot of other things that has greater sway on us than the Holy Spirit. Uh, That has a greater pull on our time uh, than prayer. Uh, That many Christians know what it's like to spend hours on television, uh, but can't fathom spending hours in prayer. And I'm not saying that to shame in any shape, form, or fashion. What I am interested in, though, is for those of us who are legitimately trying to be followers of Christ, to examine our own life and to say, just how strong of a sway does he have on us? Um, And so what we're doing with fasting is we are saying a hard no, (laughs) like a a big old no. I preached a message years ago, grow your no. Uh, And this is so important for us to do because Paul said in our Christian experience, all of us should be buffeting our body. And like one pastor said, I wish it was buffet because that would be easy. Uh, But we are not to buffet our body. Uh, We are to buffet our body. And the Amplified says, I treat it harshly. I treat my body harshly. And he said, the reason why is I know if I don't that I myself will be a castaway. Like if I let my body get out of control, it will hurt me. If I let my body get out of control, it will hurt my health. If I let my body get out of control, it will hurt my self-confidence. If I let my body get out of control, it will hurt my finances. Has a pull on your finances ever gotten so strong that you created debt that now was controlling you? 
because the body got out of control and I didn't say no and I didn't buffet it and I didn't pull away from it and something began to have me. Uh, that the lust of the flesh and the pride of life and all these things contend for lordship. And in fasting, we're saying, no, you will not have me any longer. You will not have any sway on me. You will not have any right in my life. And this is something that is for each and every one of us. Jesus said this in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 16. He says, whenever you fast, uh, so notice this is something you do, uh, whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say unto you, they have their reward in full. He goes on here and says in verse 17, but when you When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. So let's just stop right here. And I I, I won't labor on this point and kind of like sit on it because like I said, I'm not in the business of shame, but I am in the business of repentance where we see there is another way that if I took my life in this direction, it would be good for me. Shame is like, you're awful. Repentance is like, I think if I went this way, it would be better. And so it's, it's doing a 180, it's changing direction. So I, I don't want to like belabor this point to induce shame, but I do want to mention this point to hopefully bring repentance. When is the last time you fasted? When is the last time I fast? When Jesus is talking about, but when you fast, it's right in there with when you pray and right in there with when you give. And so giving is not just something we do at the first of the year and then stop. And prayer is not just something we're like, I'll do it in January and then stop. And fasting is not one of those things that we just do here or there. It's a regular part of our Christian life. And the reason why and its purpose is there's another Lord competing for my attention. And out of this, I will live a fasted life and that there will be nothing in this world that makes me bow my knee to it but the Lord Jesus. I have no other masters. Sports won't control me. ESPN won't control me. Xbox won't control me. Social media won't control me. My favorite news station won't control me. Sugar will not control me. I will not bow my knee to all these other things. This knee only bows to the Lord. Uh, And this is what fasting does. So Jesus says, I want you to fast. And notice what he says here when he puts this in context, so that your fasting uh, will not be noticed by men. But notice this, your father notices your fasting. (laughs) Should I say this? Your father also notices your lack of it. (laughs) I didn't want to say it. but I feel like it's necessary. Uh, Like out of this, your father is taking account. It's very interesting, and this is a little rabbit trail. In in Daniel chapter 10, you see, and we'll get to this on the screens in a minute. Let's not go there right yet. But when you read Daniel chapter 10, you see when Gabriel the angel appears to Daniel, he says, man held in high esteem by God. Paul wrote, did you know in the Lord's house there are many vessels? Some to honor and some to dishonor. Some to use for mighty things and some for ordinary use. He appears to Daniel and he's like, man who's esteemed by God. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be esteemed by the Lord? Um, And it says here that when you fast, your heavenly father sees it. And watch what happens here. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There is a reward from fasting you can't get any other way. 
There is a fasting from the Lord, from God himself, from your heavenly father. There is reward tied at the end of a fast. And I want to encourage you, like I, I, I believe from scripture, this, this reward is direction, it is clarity, it is light coming into your life. It is you seeing what the next step is. It is seeing exactly where I need to go. It is the word of the Lord coming to you with clarity. There is a reward you get from fasting you do not get any other way. Um, And so in part of the Daniel dare, we're trying to live like Daniel because Daniel was a man who was highly esteemed by God. Daniel was a man who had an excellent spirit. And there's one thing Daniel did. Daniel lived a fasted life. Life. In fact, we get a, a whole fast title called the Daniel Fast from the life of Daniel. And that's taken from Daniel chapter 10. They'll put this up on the screens in verse number 3. Daniel says this, I did not eat any tasty food. Oh, come on, somebody. Nor did, did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment, please bathe, uh, at all until the entire three weeks were completed. So 21 days, Daniel said, anything that was pleasurable, I did not invited into my life. Anything that was pleasurable, I abstained from it. Uh, Anything that that in the natural could be a source of enjoyment, I I ushered that out of my life. And, And here he's giving himself to prayer. And once again, in Daniel chapter 10, this is when Gabriel appears unto him and shows him direction. How valuable is direction? To see destiny. To see what the next step is. Uh, and so Daniel has this carried out, and we like it so much as Christians, we actually named a fast after him and called it the Daniel Fast and said for the next 21 days, don't do anything pleasurable. Uh, don't eat anything pleasurable. Abstain from those types of things because of this. And I want to encourage you over the course of the next week, especially. Now, and like, I don't often kind of venture over into this territory, but sometimes the Lord just kind of leads me here. I do genuinely believe that by the end of like this, this season, um, there's supposed to be some things shown to you that you are supposed to do. And at the end of doing those things, when you step out into that, um, there is a breaking of the Jordan that leads you out of the wilderness and into the promised land. But if you don't hear it, and you don't see it and have eyes that, 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 that are supposed to see but don't see and an ear that's supposed to hear but can't hear and a heart that should understand but is blinded uh, because of other lords, uh, that you'll miss it. And for the next 40 years could be in the same wilderness, circling the same life, the same mountain and seeing no miracle. Because miracles hang on the word of the Lord. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. And in order to do that thing, you need to hear something. And the way we hear is by lordship. There can be no lordship without instruction. Um, And there can't be any lordship without attention. If you have a Lord, you're receiving correction and instruction. And if you have a Lord, you're giving it your attention. There can be no lordship without direction coming from the Lord, and there can be no lordship without attention going to the Lord. And whatever your attention is going to, that is your Lord. And whatever direction is coming from, watch me, listen to me, hear from me, whatever direction is coming from, that is your Lord too. Lordship is revealed by direction coming from, and lordship is revealed by attention going to.
And what we want in this season is direction coming from the Lord. And the way we get direction coming from the Lord is we give our attention, come on somebody, to the Lord. And when we give our attention to the Lord, we receive direction. And when we walk in that direction, we see water turn into wine. We see whatever he tells you to do, do it. And when you do it, that's how you see the miracle. Walk around the city, shout at the end of seven days, miracle. That's how you see the blessing of the Lord is by doing what he tells you to do. But we can't do it if we don't hear it. And we won't hear it unless we make him Lord. Uh, So in Daniel chapter 3, let's open up together. Daniel chapter 3. Uh, We'll continue in this train of thought. You know this story uh, if you've been reading the book of Daniel. Even if you haven't been reading the book of Daniel with us, it's okay. You still know this story. Uh, It's the story of Daniel's three crazy faith friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, These guys were just like Daniel. They were good, just like all of us here at Word of Life, good-looking, smart, promoted, intelligent, wise, Uh, So they were put in positions of power, and out of this, of course, people didn't like it, and there was a lot of jealousy and all those types of things with people trying to get them out of power. Uh, So King Nebuchadnezzar makes this law that says, I'm going to build this idol. When you hear the music, you bow your knee. And if you bow your knee, you'll get the reward of acceptance, community, and comfort. And if you hear the music and you do not bow your knee, you will get the penalty of a fiery furnace. Uh, And uh, anyway, he puts out this edict. So you know the story. The three Hebrew children are like, no, we don't bow our knee to any Lord but the Lord. And so the music plays and the whole nation all bows their knee. And in the middle of this big troop, there's Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing. And the people see it, and they're like, ah, that's our ticket to get them out of power and get us in power. So they come to Nebuchadnezzar, and they're like, Nebuchadnezzar, the music played, and they didn't bow their knee. We got to get them out of power. Uh, And so Nebuchadnezzar hears it, and he brings the the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to him. And let's pick up with that in Daniel chapter 3 and verse number 14. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, that other instrument, the the other one, and the bagpipe, and all the other kinds of music, here's what I want you to do. I want you to fall down, and I want you to worship the image that I have made very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there that can deliver you out of my hands? Uh, so here you see this, this system set up of when you hear this music, you bow your knee to it. When you know the game starts at 12, you turn it on. Oh, come on. <laughs> when it's morning, you drink your coffee. Uh, uh, we, you know, we have these things when the music plays. When you get in bed, you pick up that phone. Bed equals phone. When you get home, you get in that chair. You prop it up. You get you a Diet Coke. And you watch the Cowboys beat the 49ers. Come on, somebody, in Jesus' name. Like, 
I'm rooting for Dak. The Saints were out, and the 49ers got the spot that the Saints should have had. So now it's the Cowboys. Uh, So out of that, uh, we have all of these uh, uh, responses to cues. And when we get the cue, we walk in lordship. I've read many books on habits because I know I can't change your life until I change your habits. That's the truth. I don't care how hard I try, unless I change your habits, I can't change your life. So I've got to change your community. I found this as pastoring. I've got to change your community. I've got to change your habits in order to change you. Uh, and so I read a lot of habits and like, uh, about habits, and one of my favorites is like the habit loop, and there's a bunch of other ones. But anyway, one of the things they all talk about is this. You have a cue, then you have the pattern, then you have the reward. The reward is what instills the pattern, and the faster and the bigger the reward, the stronger the pattern takes hold, which is why uh, it's a myth that a habit can be established in 21 days. It can be, but the average time is like 66 days. Uh, but the key to the habit being installed faster is however strong the reward is. So if the reward is strong, the pattern will kick in faster. If the reward is weak, it takes more time. So you have the cue. The cue here is the music. You have the pattern. You hear the music. You bow your knee, and then you have the reward of comfort, community, and acceptance. Uh, You hear the cue. You break the pattern. You have the penalty of uh, you're going to lose community, you're going to lose comfort, and you're going to get in a, a fiery furnace. So they come to this pattern, and they say, no, I'm not bowing my knee to this. No, you'll not have my attention. No, you'll not have my affection. No, you'll not have my worship. And as soon as they do, Nebuchadnezzar says, oh, yes, you will. And it fights to get them to bow. And Nebuchadnezzar comes in and fights to get them to surrender their will to this thing. When the music plays, you get on your knees. And they say, no, we do not. Uh, And so they have this fight of the flesh. And here's my question. What is your cue? Uh, We have all types of cues. A big one is stress. When I'm stressed, what's my pattern? Uh, I listen to music, I watch TV, I get in bed, I eat a pack of Oreos. <laughs> what, what is your pattern for stress? It's like stress comes uh, and I, I'm here at this place where I just need a relief, I pick up the Xbox. I, I, I just need relief, I'll drink. I just, so much pressure is going on at work, pressure is the cue, the pattern is blank. I gossip. Uh, I escape, I read this article, Uh, but we have cues. In fact, they say about 47% of the things that you do daily are things you don't even think about. Cue, morning, brush my teeth. Cue, morning, comb my hair. Cue, going to work, look in the mirror. Cue, wake up, coffee. We have all of these, these things. Now, the problem is, well, I guess it's a problem, but it's also a benefit, is the cue reveals lordship. Whatever you turn to when the music plays shows you what has you. And if it has you, it diminishes the Lord's grip on you. And fasting is your time to say, you know what? 
I want to have you, but I don't want you to have me. I want to be able to enjoy sports, but I don't want sports to control me. I want to be able to enjoy social media, but I don't want social media to control me. I want to be able to enjoy sugar, but I don't want sugar to control me. I want to be able to enjoy all of it, but I don't want all of this to be able to control me. So I'm telling you no. And as soon as you do, here comes Nebuchadnezzar. It's like, no. When the music plays, you bow your knee. So a day later, it's like, I'm not bowing. And you're excited about it. You're still standing. And then you go down the cookie aisle and it's like, ah, you know, and everything in you wants to like bow your knee or it's like, how do you fast sports in playoff season? Like, how is this even a possibility? And Nebuchadnezzar is just like, when the music plays, bow your knee. Uh, and like all this, it's a war on our flesh of Nebuchadnezzar saying, no, 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 no. It's not your Lord. I am your Lord. It's not your Lord. I will control you. And, and here, while we're in this process, if we remain standing, I'm telling you, like they saw in their story, God shows up in miracles. God shows up in big ways. But the reason why we don't see miracles is a lot of times you're like, and I'm down. Lord, help a fallen soldier. Uh, like we come back to this place of Nebuchadnezzar saying, yeah, I played the music and look what you did. And I want you to get at this place where you get fighting mad. Where you come like, like, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you see a world that has a Lord, and it ain't Jesus. And everything around it, controlling it, influencing it, capturing its attention, capturing its affection, and you saying, no, it will not have me. I don't care if the whole world bows when this music plays. I'm taking my life back, and I'm giving lordship to the Lord Jesus. And this is what fasting is. It's fasting is coming back and pulling aside. Um, now, I, I want to end with this, and, and we'll end with worship. But let's end with the book of Exodus, because I, I really feel like this is the, the story uh, for so many of us. Uh, in Exodus chapter 3, we see a man by the name of Moses who, like all of us, has made some mistakes. His flesh got out of control. And instead of, of, you know, ordering two milkshakes from Pops, uh, he killed a person. Uh, and out of this, when, when his flesh got out of control, uh, he did something that brought tremendous amounts of shame in his life. And I don't know if you've been there uh, before where your flesh has gotten out of control and because of this addiction or because of something as simple as I said I was going to stop like five episodes ago, but now it's 3 a.m. and I'm still watching it. And your flesh gets out of control and you wake up the next morning. It's like, why did I do that? And like these types of shameful things that kind of come into our life. The, the devil, he's so evil. He's the, he's the tempter and then he's the accuser. He gets you to do something and then he's like, how could you have done that? It's like, you're the very one who told me to do it. Make up your mind. But anyway, he's the tempter and the accuser. And so you see him doing this. And when, when, when Moses yields to the flesh, he loses two things. He loses his concept of destiny. He has no, absolutely no recollection that he is a man sent from God, sent on this earth for a purpose. He doesn't know what that purpose is. He's not fighting for it. He's not living for it. He's not living in it. He's just existing. Uh, his flesh cost him uh, light. And his life got very dark. 
And it also cost him his faith. Uh, he's not pressing after God, but he also has no faith in himself. He doesn't believe in his gifts. He doesn't believe in his talents. He doesn't believe in his gifting. He doesn't believe in his anointing. He doesn't believe in who God made him to be. And he's living for 40 years without faith or destiny. And one day God does something in the book of Exodus. Let's watch what it is here in Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 1. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro in his father-in-law's field, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came unto Horeb, which is the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I believe this is, this is key, I must turn aside now. Forty years of living in the flesh has a moment where he's like, okay, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight while the bush is not burned up. Verse 4, when the Lord saw, remember, the Lord sees. When the Lord saw that he turned aside, if he'd have lit the bush up and Moses would have kept walking, the following never would have taken place. If he didn't get his attention, if the Lord was not able to arrest his attention to make him yield to his spirit, if the Lord was not able to do something enough to make him look, to make him pursue, to make him draw near, the rest wouldn't have happened. But when the Lord saw, he turned aside now. When the Lord saw that, uh, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, and Moses said, here am I. And he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place you are standing on is holy ground. Holy ground is hearing ground. The sandals picked up the dirt of the world. And in the Old Testament, you couldn't bring the dirt of the world into the presence of God. So they would wipe the dirt off their feet. They would take their sandals off to get over on holy ground to bring none of the world into God's presence. When Moses turns aside to see, and then not only turns aside to see, but begins to take the world off of him. He gets over into a place of hearing ground and this one moment changed his life forever. Destiny is revealed to him. Friendships and connections come to him. Things are coming into his life where all of a sudden his basic rod is taking on life of its own. His anointings are activated and purpose is activated and potential is activated and all these resources in his life are activated and he's throwing his rod down and it's like doing amazing things and he's lifting his rod up and it's like splitting seas and it's like, what is going on? And the thing is, his destiny and faith came alive to him. When? When? When he got over his shame of his past, When he got over a life of yielding to the flesh, 
And he made a decision to yield to the Spirit, turn aside, draw nigh, press in on holy ground, take off some of the world, press into God. When he did that, God opened something up that changed his life forever. And I feel like so many of you, you are at this place too, where maybe you have even thought that your life has been irredeemable from what has happened in your life, that you've messed up so bad that you don't have a chance at destiny, that you messed up so strongly, you don't have a chance to be the man God created you to be, to be the husband God created you to be, to be the father God created you to be, to be the person God created you to be. And I'm telling you, as long as you have breath in your lungs today, you are not irredeemable. Your great God can buy you back. And Moses comes to this place where God redeems him and calls him. I love this terminology that Paul gives Timothy. He calls you with a holy calling. And he shows him his destiny. And and all of a sudden, Moses' life goes from this menial existence to an adventure with the Holy Spirit. And you get the book of Exodus. And you get the story of a man who walked with God so intimately. We're talking about him today. And this is the life I want to invite you into. So let's stand to our feet at all of our campuses. Over at Highland Colony here at Lakeland, online, right there in your living room, Fox, you can stand. And let's just have a moment where we say, Father, I'm drawing near. I want to get on holy ground and whatever I need to sacrifice or whatever I need to turn away from, I want to live a fasted life. I want to confront it this week. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you that in our worship today, your Holy Spirit speaks to us, that he leads and guides us into all truth and shows us things to come. Father, I thank you. You come like a wind. You light up a bush just like you did for Moses. And Father, we thank you in Jesus' name that you speak to us about what you've called us to. You ask us to take off our shoes and to come onto holy ground. Father, that you make our gifts and our calls real to us that we escape Nebuchadnezzar's grip and we say no longer will we bow our knee to the world. But Father, we will bow our knee to the Lordship of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you at all of our campuses today. Your Holy Spirit becomes very real in our worship and speaks right to our hearts. We ask all of this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.